verse about that. So I know, based on that response, that I'm sure there are many of you here today, we know, that have had that wonderful opportunity of a lifetime to experience basic training, right? <laughs> basic training. It conjures up many images, even if you haven't been through it before. You have some idea through movies and television. It's just Think with me for a moment, if you will. Here's one of those what-if scenarios. What if a church was run like basic training? Wow, think about the possibilities. A highly militarized structure, a total control environment. The pastors and the staff could be your drill sergeants. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Congregation, you'd be the soldiers in training, or in the army we call them the privates. You know, when something needed to be done, we just give the order and it would get done. That would be awesome. If we had a class to teach or someone needed someone to be an usher or serve as a greeter, we would just give the order and it would happen. People would show up. We wouldn't have to worry about that at all. That would be great. If uh, You know how pastors always want people to read the Bible more? We could just say, all right, everybody has to get up at 5 a.m., read their Bibles for an hour, and you'll be ready to go for the day. We could have a training schedule. You put worship, prayer, and Bible study on the training calendar, and everybody just has to do it. Or there would be consequences, because you know there's always somebody that doesn't want to do what they're told to do, right? You always have those people in the crowd. So what if people didn't want to obey? Well, we'd have to discipline, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Let's see, how could we get creative in the church? Maybe we could have people do stack chairs over and over again in the, in the gym, right? <laughs> you do push-ups, that's kind of the standard one, give me 50 push-ups. Or even one better, if you need something done. If we needed money for the church, what would you do? You say, Private Smith, write me a check for $100 on the double. Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't have any problem with giving either. Now, if this scenario actually took place, we wouldn't have anybody left in the church next week, would we? <laughs> Everybody would bail on us. But fortunately for you, fortunately for us, that is not the way God wanted pastors to run a church. That's Jesus gave the example of leading others by being their servant, not their overlord, taskmaster, or even drill sergeant. Even those trusted with authority are meant to lead carefully with a humble attitude, acting in the best interest of the people. Because, you know, the leaders, the people in authority that you trust the most are those the ones you know who really care about you, who really care about you and love you, and you know they have your best interest at heart. Yes, there may be tough times. Yes, they may ask some demanding and challenging things, but they will lead the way, and you will follow them anywhere if you know that they have a heart and they really care about you. And so as we're continuing our series on gratitude this season, I want you to think about and think about all throughout this message about how we show our gratitude to God through serving. Talking about serving. How can we follow Jesus as our example for serving? That He is the ultimate example. I'm going to start by reading from Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. You can follow along if you have our Westover app. The notes are in there, the main points and the scriptures, or it's on the screen. But let's set the scene. Matthew 25 through 28. Jesus called them together and said, who's them? It's his disciples. This was a specific teaching moment for his disciples. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that should be one of our theme verses to think about. Jesus came not to be served, 
but to serve. He knew his mission. He ministered to the ones who were overlooked by society and showed them that they mattered. No matter how humble the task, he took it on. And he didn't only do humble tasks, he had great leadership responsibility. He taught his disciples in the first life group. He taught large groups of people. He fed the 5,000. Those stories are in the Bible. Serving covers the whole spectrum from the tasks that are behind the scenes to the ones that are up front and leading people. All of it matters on the same level as Christ is concerned. And the background of this passage in Matthew 20 is that the mother of two of the disciples asked an interesting question. Earlier in the passage, she says, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. They were seeing Jesus as the authority figure, the coming king, which was right in its proper place. He wasn't going to necessarily lead the nation at that time, but he was definitely the spiritual king and is, of course. But they were looking for honor and being raised to a position of authority without re really realizing what it means. And Jesus used this as a teaching point. Now, this really created a fuss among the disciples where they were about to fight with one another, and, and they called the others out for that too. And how could you do that, you know? And so Jesus didn't rebuke them, but he just used it as a teaching moment and put them in their place. And, it, and what he did, he challenged them and gave them what I believe is the true key to success. And that key is, of course, serving. Now, serving in Jesus' case also involved great suffering, great sacrifice of his life, of course. But at its foundation, serving is the act of putting the needs of others before our own needs. And even the disciples said at that time that, you know, yes, we are willing, we can do what you ask. And Jesus says, you really don't get it. Are you, I'm going to go through some tough stuff. First, before you, before you seek to attain those things, just serve. See what's right in front of you and just serve other people. Now, maybe some of you are thinking today, you know, I came here today because I've got some significant needs. You know, look at our wonderful prayer time. This, we offer that time as a regular thing because we know that people are coming into this house, coming to this place just to lay their needs at the Lord's feet. That's a symbolic act of coming forward and saying, God, help me. And so, yes, we know some, some of you had a really tough week. Some of you probably had a rough morning. Just to get here was probably a challenge and a task. And so maybe you came and said, I just need a day for God to give me something. Sometimes we're in that place, aren't we? I just need God to fill me up, and I need God's power in my life and to meet my needs. And now the preacher just said that serving is the act of putting others before my needs. I can't even see beyond my needs. How am I going to do something for other people? I don't have anything to give. And if that's the case, that is okay. God will take time to listen. He will fill you up. But let me give you a principle of spiritual maturity that will help you tremendously as you're seeking God to meet your needs. And that simply is God will meet your needs when you decide to meet the needs of others. Let me say it again. God will meet your needs when you decide, you take action to go outside of your selfishness and take time to meet the needs of others. And you see, if, God, if you want God to meet your needs and you want to walk out of here today with your cup really full, then you must make the decision to meet the needs of others in a really unusual way, supernatural way. We don't know how it happens, but God's Holy Spirit is there to fill us with power and anointing to be able to go out and reach out to other people because we don't have it inside of us, do we? We don't have it inside of us. We need another power. We need the Holy Spirit within us to just push us out the door sometimes. We need some help. Sometimes you just don't feel like it, but we know it's the right thing to do. 
And here it is. God says another motivation is that if you go out, I'm going to meet your needs. Luke 6.38 is a very classic passage, passage that God talks about, Jesus talks about in his own words about God will bless you according to how much that you give to others or serve others. And it simply says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And the simple imagery there is of uh, a measuring cup filled with flour. When you pour flour in, usually it puffs up and it's really light and airy. And so it's talking about you pat it down, you can get a little more in there. You shake it up, it goes together, you can get a little more in there. So God is talking, even after that has taken place, enough, there's going to be enough that's overflowing into your lap. You know, you ever just... Uh, Sometimes you do this with your kids, you know, you get that flower and you're just going to go puff it and it goes all over, right? <laughs> you know, we want that puff of God's blessing, that flower all over us, just immersing us. And how does that happen when we go outside of ourselves to give to others? And so if you want to be a blessing to others, be blessed, be a blessing to others. Give your time to God. If you just want a teaspoon of service, just a little bit, then give God just a teaspoon. If you want a bucket full of blessing, give God a bucket full of serving, right? Just the pastor said this just last week. He's talking about the principle of giving. Some people ask, do you want, should we tithe on the gross amount or the net amount of our paycheck? And he says, well, do you want a gross blessing, a big, huge blessing, or do you want just a net blessing or a small blessing? Think about it. The choice is up to you. A simple biblical principle about how God meets our needs by calling us simply to serve other people. Now, my official title here is, Pastor said, is Executive Pastor of Volunteer Connection. That's an unwieldy title. We use the term connection for a lot of things. But simply, Pastor Jim is giving me the mission, giving me the mission to lead the way at Westover toward creating a serving culture. Now, one of our core values is save people, serve people. Hopefully, some of you have heard that before. Now, I want you to say it with me again. So, ready? Save people, serve people. One more time. Save people, serve people. Save people, that's you hopefully. Save people, serve people. We are aiming to look at anything related to volunteers, to put some energy, to put more time into that, specifically as our numbers are continuing to grow, to look at how we do recruiting, training, utilizing, caring for, and celebrating our amazing volunteers. Make sure that everybody is included and looked after. And the ultimate goal is to get more people connected to fulfilling their purpose in life through serving. In other words, I've been charged with leading the way to get more people involved and off the sidelines. A challenge for any church is to, have to get more people involved. Pastors wring their hands over this many times about how do we get more people involved? We need to get people serving and more people involved. And think about this in terms of a football game. You know, there's, there's a big game. Some of you are uh, Cowboys fans, right? They're playing the Steelers today. And so, uh, you know, just picture that imagery in your mind today and think about this later as some of you are watching the game. You know, any college or professional football game, high school, you'll see 22 people on the field who are in desperate need of rest and tens of thousands of people in the stadium who are in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> and that's how it often is in the church. You have many people, a few people involved and doing the work and really in need of rest and you have most people sitting on the sidelines who are desperately needing to grow. Now fortunately at Westover we don't have that problem. We're not desperate for volunteers or desperate in that situation. 
We have a great foundation already and hundreds of dedicated volunteers serving and there's many behind the scenes uh, with our kids ministries and youth ministries and things that you don't even see go on, taking care of the babies, all those things happening. But as we're leading the way spiritually in our community, we are becoming an influence for, West, for San Antonio, not just for this region, but for San Antonio and the world. And it takes a large, robust structure of people serving and leaders and people to train them to be able to do that. And we have a responsibility to be able to lead the way and build a foundation because what happened when you came here? Some of you were really broken. Some of you were hurting and you came and there were people in here. The reason that you stayed because there were other people who were here to wrap their arms around you and just to love on you and care for you. And you say, it's going to be okay. Let me show you a better way just from our heart. And sometimes serving is as simple as that. Just sharing the joy of what God has given you and one-on-one -on -one with somebody. It doesn't have to be from a stage like this. And that as you come and have received and receive that joy from the Lord, God just says, give it back through serving. Be motivated to show your thankfulness, to show your gratitude, to be able to give back to others. And we have to have more leaders over and over to be able to build the foundation, to be able to receive the people that are going to be coming here and in need of that in need of that spiritual uplifting. And so one place to begin, as I mentioned, is to be, be, begin by creating that serving culture. Just think about that for a moment. A lot of it starts with first-class service. High-quality serving. The church should provide the best hospitality in the world. We should be the place, the gold standard that people look towards for the example of what it means to serve. Think about what good service looks like. You sure know when you've received it, don't you? You're like, oh, wow, that was great. You know, people post on Facebook, all those things. We have this thing called a tip to reward that in, in restaurants and other places. And you sure know when you haven't received it. You know, but what is it? The it factor. You can't define it many times, but people know what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. Think about an example of, of high-quality serving. I had a pastor I heard talk about an example of going to the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Now, the Ritz-Carlton, I haven't been there personally. I would love to go sometime. If anybody wants to treat me to that, I'd be glad to, to accept that, okay? I'm just kidding. But, no, I'm not kidding. The, <laughs> the uh, Ritz-Carlton is usually at the very top rung of customer service. Even if you haven't physically been there, they are known for just giving the best experience, and it costs a lot to go there, but this pastor said he found a particular promotion that was going on, and he was able to get a weekend for $100 a night, an amazing deal. So he took his young wife, and they, were, they drove up to this palatial, uh, palatial mansion that it looks like, the way the Ritz-Carlton's done in the old style, and he was in his uh, well-worn car and kind of self-conscious and pulls up, and the, the bellmen come out, and they're in their long coattails, and they come around to the door, and the pastor thinks, okay, they're going to say something like, all right, buddy, the Motel 6 is down the street. Just get on your way. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> you ever felt like that sometime? Like you're just in the wrong place and don't fit in, feel uncomfortable. But instead of doing that, the guy looked over at his other bellman buddy and said, the gentleman from North Carolina has arrived. And the pastor steps back and thinks to himself, well, the gentleman from North Carolina has arrived. <laughs> Feels pretty good. <laughs> and so then the, uh, the other bellman went over and went to the door and uh, opening the door for his wife and says, it says, whom are we welcoming to the Ritz-Carlton? Told them their names, and then they quickly got their keys even delivered down to them and checked in and got their car put in valet. And just within a few minutes, they were received and had their luggage, and they were in the room, and they were like, wow, what happened? And they were feeling pretty good. Like, 
wow, we feel like somebody, special people, that they're going this extra mile to provide us a service. And then as they went down to dinner later on, the uh, bellman that they had seen earlier remembered their names, called them by name, said, hey, have a great dinner, enjoy your evening tonight. And so the pastor just had to stop and ask, say, you know, what's different about you all? How do you achieve this level of customer service? And they said, well, it starts with good training. You know, hiring good people starts with good training and emphasis. And every morning we have a meeting where we get all our key people together. We know what guests are coming, what guests are going. We repeat their names. We get, make sure that everybody is treated specially. And we have a special credo or motto, as they call it. They call it a credo there, that um, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. So they're making everybody feel special. Now, interesting, is it, isn't it, that they're usually at the top of the list of prime customer service, and why can't the church be at the top of places that provide the best customer service and hospitality, amen? The church should be there, and how does that happen? Because save people, serve people. You all taking the love and the gratitude and showing gratitude for what God has done and just reaching out and serving, taking ownership that this is not just our church, it's not just Pastor Jim's church, it is your church, it is your family, and you want to bring and welcome others into the family. I was talking to someone just between services about how, wow, we're just, we're new to town, but we're just hosting our neighbors for Thanksgiving, and we have, you know, close to 20 people there for Thanksgiving. You know, what is that? Just a welcoming heart. You don't have to know everybody that well. Just a welcoming, create that open Spirit, and I know some of you felt that already. Westover Hills is well on its way to creating that, and we want to keep the standard high and keep the bar up there. And through Jesus' example, people should have, excuse me, churches should have the best service and hospitality in the world because what's underneath it? That true love, that unconditional love that Jesus modeled to us through his ultimate sacrifice. We can never fully understand, but we just need to get in there and do the work. And people will know when you truly care and minister to their needs. Now think about that word minister that I just said. <clears throat> Ministry in the original language simply just means to serve. Ministry means to serve. And often when people hear pastors ask them to get involved in ministry, they don't understand what that really means. They think, think that ministry means that they have to go to school or get ordained or something, you know, I'm not qualified, you know, I don't have any special skills, you know, I, you know, there's other people to do that, they'll take care of that. Ministry is just for the pastors and the priests. We're simply, <laughs> excuse me, we're simply asking people to volunteer their time and talents. We're calling you to engage the gifts and abilities that God has given you by serving Jesus through the local church. Being involved in ministry doesn't mean you have to go to Bible school or have special training or even join the staff. Ministry simply means to serve. And we all has a, have a role as a minister or priest, often referred to in the Bible, often referred to as the priesthood of all believers. This is illustrated in the Bible in 1 Peter 2.9, where Peter says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light that all believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit for service or ministry, that we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't think we have it in us, the Holy Spirit comes inside us to enable us to do something special, just to put one foot in front of the other, and God says, don't wait, just do it. You know, God said that before, before Nike did. <laughs> just get out there and do it. Don't have to wait. 
Now, the last point in your notes you'll see is that serving fulfills God's purpose for your life. I came across an interesting informal survey that was done in a church, and it revealed some of the reasons and the motivations why people serve. Very interesting. You know, one of them was it models the life of Jesus. We talked about that already. That seems pretty obvious. It grows me spiritually. It makes me healthier. Why is that? We're focused on other people's needs, maybe. It draws me closer to God. It produces peace and joy in my life, allows me to invest in other people. It helps grow the church, gives a sense of accomplishment. An interesting one is it allows me to make friendships. Think about we talk about connecting, growing, and serving. Serving together on a team helps you develop those closer relationships as well. It's not just going to a class or hearing about the church, but it's connecting in that physical way and doing something together. Most people really want to be part of a team. But the number one reason to remember is that serving fulfills God's purpose for your life. You were made with a specific purpose and a ministry planned for you. It says it very clearly in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now that word handiwork is kind of an older term. Another version says the word craftsman, or excuse me, um, workmanship. It's the same word that we get the word poem from in the Greek language. In essence, you are God's work of art. Think about that. You are God's special work of art that God's design for you began before you were born. Another scripture that talks about how we're designed for serving is 1 Peter 4.10. And Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Look at that a little bit. Let's break it down into two parts there. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. It's making an assumption that you, 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 everybody has a gift. Some of you may think, well, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any special talents. Our society rewards people who are able to be in front of people and do things that are showy. But everybody is given a gift. It's assuming that you have one. We want to help bring that out of you. And it says you should be faithful stewards of God's grace, meaning a steward is a caretaker, meaning that you have to take care of that gift and develop it. Sometimes it takes a little developing. Sometimes it takes a little molding and shaping. It's not evident right away. Those of you who have children understand this. As they continue to grow, you see some little glimpses of what they might become as they grow, and you try to nurture that and develop that and send them to training, and it may come into fruition years later about what all that is about. But look at how God can nurture that gift that you have been given. And serving is much more than just doing something for the church. It's about following Christ's example and fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And serving actually helps you become like Jesus Christ. Now, wow, that may sound pretty lofty. You know, how can we become like Jesus Christ? Well, we may never attain that status, of course. We're not divine like Jesus is. We can't save people personally, but we can sure lead them down the path. We can sure get them there, and we can strive ourselves to be Christ-like, living in His pattern and His example, and we can strive towards that. And so, as we're looking at gathering more volunteers onto our team, it's not just about serving us or serving the church, it's about growing you. And we should always ask as a measurement of how people are growing is, how many people here are more like Jesus because they are connected through serving? It's not about the numbers. 
how many more are becoming like Jesus Christ? And you can see that through their fruit, as the Bible calls it. You can see it through their example, through their lives of what they do. And that's what we want to measure. We just want more people who are like Jesus. And when people come in here, they see Jesus literally through us. That's the special, amazing thing that happens. That's why people are coming and coming and growing here too and connecting. And so what we want to do by putting more energy into looking at all things volunteer is to help you find your true purpose through serving. Serving is a pure expression of showing gratitude to God. So we have some new initiatives you're going to see us rolling out in January and beyond. And one of those, without even giving all the details, is just talking about a method or a model to have improved training for our volunteers. We want to invest in you, let you know our heart. The new format is going to have a clear pathway for serving. You're going to be able to connect with other volunteers, with other team members, and get an exposure to find out what's going on in our church and, and how you can be a part of that too and a chance to ask questions and interact. Of course, we're going to have some great food and fellowship. Start out with breakfast tacos, always a good way to start your day. Enable to hear our core values, to learn about who we are in an interactive format, to learn what it means to make new and make great. And you'll learn about opportunities to grow and connect with one another, like life groups, how to get plugged into a life group and talk about that and get connected with folks right away. And one of the highlights about, that we want to offer is a detailed spiritual gifts assessment. Now, what that is, is just a simple inventory. Many of you have taken personality tests, perhaps. It's simply like that, answering a series of questions to try to determine uh, what that gift may be in you if you haven't identified that yet. Or even if you think you do know, it helps give some confirmation about that. And so this particular, this particular assessment has 24 listings of gifts that are from the Bible. Some of them are the typical, what we call the charismatic gifts, like speaking in tongues and interpretation, but there's others that are more what I call personally the practical gifts, such as even the gift of helps or administration or teaching or craftsmanship is one of them, people good working with their hands, people uh, working behind the scenes or music. So all those things, we want to present that to you and give you the opportunity to really discover where you can serve and where you can make a difference here at Westover and beyond out in our local community. We're continuously looking at improving our care for our volunteer team so you don't feel like you've just been out here serving for years and nobody knows your name and nobody cares about you, always working on ways to make you feel part of a team, to look out for you, give you rest breaks, to care for you in that way. We're emphasizing that it's teamwork. It's not just about the pastor. It's not just about one person. So today what we're doing, we're really just sowing the seed, sowing the seed out there, praying this message about serving falls on open hearts and minds. And when the opportunities come, you have to be looking for them, okay? You know, ask God every day to show me opportunities where I can serve, where I can show gratitude to God. Then I know when the time comes, the right people will be there at the right time. God will motivate you to get off the sidelines if you're not already. And if you're already a committed serving team member, God can show you other opportunities for leadership. We need people to lead teams, people to train and to care for others as well. And it's time maybe to move to the next level if you've been here already. And just as an example of that too, I just want to show you just in a brief video about what some of our amazing volunteers are already doing here at Westover.
Wow, I love that. Let's just appreciate our volunteers. Thank you so much for those people who are serving every day. Wow. Well, that motivates me. That's, that's you. That's you up there. Just a small sampling of what happens every week around here, too. And there's many more things going on like that. And I hope that motivates you to put this word, to put this message into action, to join the team, to give back a part of what God has given to you just out of a heart of thanksgiving. Just please stand with me right now as I, I leave you with some final thoughts. Everyone, please stand if you can. To really bring it home, I just want to share a, a story with you. It's about a man who had a dream. The dream was that he had died and was met outside the gates of heaven by an angel. The angel said, let me show you around. And they came to a place where they could overlook a, a huge banquet that was taking place. And on the table was a magnificent feast better than any Thanksgiving feast you could ever imagine with delicious foods, yet no one was happy. And when they looked close at that scene, everyone at the table was confined and had a three-foot spoon tied to their arm. And when they tried to eat, they could get the food, but they couldn't bring that spoon to their mouths. And this, said the angel, is what hell is like. And so they went on to another scene. They looked through a window at another banquet taking place with the most scrumptious food you could ever imagine there again. But in this scene, there were still the people with the spoons tied to their arms, but everybody was happy. And when they looked closely at why the people were happy, but it was the same scenario, they realized that the people were feeding each other. And this, said the angel, is heaven. Just bow your heads with me right now as we ponder this moment. This is a sacred moment. I really just want to take time in this quiet moment to challenge you about considering your place in serving. Continue, consider your relationship with God and are you really giving it all for the Lord and what you could do. Maybe you didn't realize you had certain gifts and talents. And I ask how many of you would say today that I'm ready to get off the sidelines to be active in God's house to work in areas to make a difference in people's lives. And, and if that's you, I just want to indicate your commitment by raising your hand. If you would just no, raise your hand right now, just indicate your commitment that I'm ready now. I'm motivated. I want to get out there. I want to be serving. And now many are doing that already. If you just want to renew your commitment today, and if you want to say, Pastor Brent, I want to serve. I want to use my gifts. I want to fulfill my purpose. I'm committed to serving you because I love you and want to be like you. I'm going to look actively now for opportunities to serve at Westover in the community and respond when you call. Amen. I see those hands all over. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your power and your strength, your Holy Spirit at work within our lives. You see these hands. You know the hearts of those who are already serving, those who are motivated now to want to get involved. And, and even if people aren't sure of where they fit in right now or sure if, if they even have anything to give back, we just pray that you'll open their hearts and minds to look for those opportunities. Just make it aware. Put it in their lives every day, in their face, if you will, just where they can't get away from it, that burden on their heart where they just really need to lend a helping hand to somebody, whether it's in the church or in the community. And I pray for your special anointing today, Lord, special power through your Holy Spirit to be present in these individuals' lives, that they may be empowered, 
to go out and make a difference for you whatever way that might be and guide us as we lead and show the way and create opportunities for that to happen that Westover Hills family can be known as a force for change in this community a force for change in the world but change in people's hearts that people are coming to know you personally and to have a relationship with you and again we pray that people will realize that there is something special about everyone in this place that save people serve people and we can come to a special knowledge of you and help others to be able to do that in your holy name we pray jesus amen amen god bless you all I thank you so much for your word i pray that you have excitement as you go out your day i pray that you will look for those opportunities and we want you to be a part of what's happening in 2017 god bless you all have a great day